Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com. I Work, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian Talk Radio. Super big thanks. Go out to Ace Andrews. He'll be engineering the show today. Have you joined the I Work For Him Nation yet? Have you made that commitment to start praying for your coworkers and employees by name each and every day? Have you made the commitment to start being willing to serve those that work for you? work underneath you, work above you? Have you made the commitment to start looking for ways to befriend those people that you work with so you get an opportunity to be real with them off the clock, but all along looking for ways to pray with people when you notice that their countenance is down? That's what we're looking for with people that join the I Work For Him Nation. We're looking for those people willing to step out, step up, and put their faith at the forefront of what they do each and every day. But the members of I work of the I work for Am Nation, these are people that are committed not only to those four things I just mentioned, but they're committed to excellence in their workplace. They're committed to being the best and the brightest in their position in their workplace. Go out to iworkforhim.com, click on the I work for Him Nation flag, and join the nation tonight. Start making an impact on your workplace tomorrow as you see the Lord transform your heart towards those you start to pray for each and every day. Today on I Work For Him, we get a little controversial, but really, we get biblical. We get, we're talking, we got a sensitive subject, and I'm going to tell you right now that the subject that we tackle today is a subject that, depending on political waves in the future, this conversation may actually be prevented speech, illegal speech. But that's not what we intend to do today. We intend to glorify the Lord and talk about a subject that many of you have always wondered, but you didn't have any idea how to broach the conversation. And remember, if you're going to be a Christ follower in your workplace, it takes a paradigm shift in your minds. Romans 12, 2 reminds us of this paradigm shift. Really, just to walk the streets in Tampa Bay and around this country and around this world, it takes a paradigm shift because it's so easy to get caught up in the negativism all around us. Romans 12, 2 says this, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Today we've got Mark Culligan with us in the studio. I got introduced to Mark a couple of months ago through another listener. Mark's ministry, I'm going to let him describe it for you today, but our topic for the day, the conversation today, we've had conversations on how to reach out to those co-workers in your, in, underneath you that may be of another religion. We had one show where it was all about people who were Muslim. How do you share your faith with those you work with that are Muslim? 
Today we're going to talk about how do you reach out and love and embrace those you work alongside that are struggling with same-sex addiction. Mark Culligan with New Hearts Outreach Tampa Bay, welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you, GM. Talk to me about how Christ is making an impact in your life today. Well, you know, all of us, I think, can say that Christ continues to make an impact in our life. Of course, it's a radical change from operating in the world's way. You know, we do our own thing, we follow the corporate example and that sort of thing. But when we come to Christ, you know, we have to be crucified. We have to die daily. You know, that the nature and Holy Spirit of Christ has to come through us. Uh, otherwise, we don't have that compassion and that love. So he's uh, making a difference by gently and graciously continuing to work with me as I continue to try to walk in his ways, which are different, again, from the world's ways. How long have you been a Christ follower? I received Christ at age 16, uh, and, um, but I really didn't have a relationship. Uh, I came to the point where I had to deal with my homosexuality about 30 years ago, and I had tried two marriages unsuccessfully. Uh, and at that time, uh, at that time, I really received Christ as my personal Savior. So, you know, when we're younger, we go through a, a prayer or something, and we think we receive Christ, but I really didn't receive Christ until I began this journey coming out of homosexuality. We are going to talk today about how we can, as Christ followers in the workplace, reach out, love on, show acceptance to, but really how to relate to those people in our workplaces and really in our neighborhoods, who are and maybe even in our families, who are struggling with same-sex addiction. What makes you qualify to talk about this? Well, as I mentioned before, I came out of homosexuality. So a uh, number of years ago, I was uh, in a marriage uh, and uh, a friend, years ago, I didn't know anything uh, about this issue. I just know, uh, knew that I was uh, impacted by the temptations. I didn't ask for these feelings. Um, I didn't want these feelings. But I had these strange feelings. Uh, and I took the advice of a friend who said, Mark, all you need to do is marry a good woman. Don't do that if you're struggling with homosexuality. A good woman will not fix the problem. Uh, I had to deal with emotional roots. I had to deal with wounds in my life that had come from early on. Uh, and so uh, having been through recovery and uh, having been with counselors uh, and uh, doing the necessary healing stuff, that kind of has prepared me to offer hope to others who are struggling with these issues. The conversation we're having today is a tough conversation. It's, it's riddled with political incorrectness, but not out of rudeness. Understand, you've heard me be bold before. But the conversation we're having today is not meant to be rude. This is a conversation that's a reality check. Understand, people, conversations like this will not be legal. They will be illegal in a lifetime near you. Today, we're talking with Mark Culligan. He's with a ministry called New Hearts Outreach right here in Tampa Bay. We're talking today about how can we minister to those in our workplaces that are struggling with same-sex addiction. Mark shared right before the break how he, well, Mark, I'll just have you share it again. You, what qualified you to talk about this conversation on the air? 
Yeah, early on, I had, uh, as a kid, uh, same-sex attractions. Uh, I had uh, temptations. I had homosexual feelings. Uh, and um, I hid them for a while. I didn't understand them. I didn't even know what homosexuality meant. Uh, but uh, over time, I started acting out. And let me say this, some part of my acting out felt right because of my family of origin setup. Uh, and generally speaking with a guy, there's a father wound that sets a person up. There's no connection with dad for whatever reason. And so male guys that struggle with this issue feel uncomfortable in their skin. They don't feel affirmed as a man. Uh, and so I went through all those different stages and finally was able to get some help uh, when I tried in, in my own strength to find my own solutions. Yeah. So how long have you been out of the gay lifestyle? I would say 30 years, roughly. Okay. So can you describe for me how people, and I'm just kind of laying this up for a conversation, because this is something I've struggled with for a very long time. Not struggle with people who are struggling with same-sex addiction, but struggle with how the church has dealt with this. Can you describe how people in the church treated you before you left the gay lifestyle and now after, knowing that this is something that you had struggled with? Yeah, I know from experience that there are a lot of horror stories of colleagues and friends who have dealt with this issue and how churches have treated them. I was very fortunate. Uh, right here in Tampa Bay, I was discipled and entered my recovery process in a little church in uh, St. Petersburg called Faith, uh, Faith Evangelical Covenant Church. Uh, and this church was loving to me. When I started my journey, they referred me to the pastor and they said, Mark, for accountability, I want you to go sit with your pastor and tell him your struggle. And he has permission to ask you the hard questions at any time. And so I did that. But this church was incredibly supportive and really, uh, just they were just amazing. Uh, and uh, three years into my journey, my senior pastor said, Mark, I want you to share your testimony. And I said, what? You've got to be kidding. My worst life embarrassment? You want me to stand up in front of strangers and talk about this issue? And he said, yeah, you need to do this. So on a Palm Sunday evening, he taught from the scripture on this issue. And by the way, this issue is in the scripture. God didn't forget about this issue. When I discovered in the scripture... Um, verses dealing with this issue, it gave me tremendous hope. I just want to add that. God didn't forget this issue. It's in there. And so that, uh, that third year in, on Palm Sunday evening, I got up with knees knocking, and I was just really petrified. And I shared my story. And when I got the H word out, things got better. I finished my sharing. I sat down. And the pastor had set up a time of healing prayer at the altar. And so I went forward to pray. And out of the congregation came not one, but two big, hulky, full-back type guys, neither of whom I knew well, both married with children. And one of those guys knelt on one side of me at the altar and grabbed my hand. And the other guy knelt at the other side of me at the altar and grabbed my hand. And their word to me was, Mark, there but for the grace of God go either one of us. The Lord has sent us to be a support to you, a help to you. And we all started weeping at the altar. And in that moment, 
I felt for the first time in my life the unconditional love of straight men. I felt affirmed as a man. I felt a part of the community of men. Uh, and uh, it was just a life-changing moment that only God could have ordained. Amen. Uh, get this. I'm chasing men for sex for 20 years, but in an instant in God's plan, he sends these two guys to support and encourage me. It was a God-ordained moment that changed my life. And let me follow up with this. God is real and works in the circumstances of our lives. So my church story is one of gentleness, compassion, understanding, support, and the body of Christ. Oh, I forgot to tell you, when when we finished at the altar, three more married guys came to me. So a total of five straight guys, all married, came and said, we're going to support you in prayer. We're going to help you in any way that we can. It was life-changing. Yeah. The unfortunate part of that story, not in your life, but in the body of Christ, is that the body of Christ as a whole, the church as a whole, has really struggled with the issue of sexual sin all across the board. Not just homosexuality, but adultery, pornography addiction, which is a combination of all different kinds of things. The church doesn't know what to do with it. Unfortunately, that they have ignored. They've, in the past, there was a zero tolerance for all of those kinds of sins within the body of Christ. In recent his, history, the tolerance has been towards pornography addiction and adultery addiction, but has been really critical and nasty towards people struggling with same-sex addiction. And which, I don't, I don't get how Christ followers can keep categorizing and saying, well, some sins are worse than others. Baloney. If you're involved in sexual sin, it's sexual sin. And pastors, if you're at a pulpit and you're not calling out the guys, it's the statistics are staggering because now they're saying that 70% of guys in the congregation are addicted to pornography and 50% of the pastors, we're not calling that sexual sin out. How many adulterers are, are there in the, in the, uh, the congregation that we work with? And they're all over the place. And, but the church isn't there to hate on people. The church is supposed to be there to love on people and their sin. The, the, the story of the prodigal son is all about how our Heavenly Father will wrap His arms around us in love when we are at our stinkiest. I mean, you think about his son that he wrapped, that he was waiting for his son to return to him, and he came to him in all of his filth, having worked with pigs. And I have been in pig barns. There is very few things smellier than a pig barn. And he worked with pigs, and he fed to pigs. And when his father saw him, he wrapped his arms around him, and he kissed him, and put a purple robe on his back as an example of our Heavenly Father saying, I'm going to love you right where you're at. And I'm going to show you a better way. And so, Mark, I'm thrilled to death that you had that positive experience in your church. What I'm hoping this conversation does is inspire other Christ followers to take that same experience back into the church. We don't need to embrace sin, period, in the church. Completely needs to stop. We got to stop embracing sin. Because by the mere not mentioning it at the pulpit, you're embracing it. But we need to start embracing sinners in our churches. I'm a sinner. I I was imbra- I was unbelievable. I mean, I sinned, and and my heavenly Father loved me right where I was at, and is constantly loving me right where I was at. So, I want that to take our. I want to take our conversation down that road. Uh, I'm not calling out anybody in their sin because I'm a sinner. What I'm saying is that sexual sin is an issue in 
three different forms that I can identify rampant in our churches, yet we only pick on one of those. How, how does that make you feel? Yeah, you know, where there's lack of understanding, I think people uh, recoil and kind of step back, and that's understandable. But looking at the biblical example that you mentioned, you know, I, uh, the father runs to the prodigal. The only example of our Heavenly Father running. Yeah, yeah. And so um, over time, uh, people got accustomed to I will say this. In my church experience, I recall as I'm reflecting on this now, there were a couple of people. Uh, you know, I was coming out. I had made my announcement, so I was interacting with people. And some people I interacted with just kind of, you know, they said, yeah, okay, and they kind of stepped back. And so I learned to respect the fact that people are in different places with this. Uh, initially, I responded with a little anger, perhaps, but then the Lord said, no, they don't understand. And so I was able to extend grace in, in those cases where it was a little awkward, because again, people are where they are, and we have to accept others where they are, you know. They may not respond to our issue the way we would like, but we have a responsibility, you we, know, to respond appropriately. We do, but it is, and it's, but it's so, I struggle, I'm a very black and white guy, I know that any, any of my listeners are going, really, Jim? Gosh, tell us something we don't know. I'm very black and white, and that's why I have such a hard time with people going, hey, Mark, I'm going to call you out for your homosexuality, I don't know what you do with it, but you know, I'm, you're standing right next to a guy who's had five affairs, I'm okay with him. You know, I, I, or I know my son is addicted to pornography. I'm okay with that, but I'm not gonna. But I'm gonna call you out. We're talking today, but how do we do ministry? We talk about joining the I Work for Him Nation and praying for your coworkers and employees. What about if one of your coworkers and employees is uh, gay, suffering, struggling with same-sex addiction? They're gay. They're lesbian. They're 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 professing with boldness their lifestyle that you are struggling with. And we want to have the conversation about that because I got to be honest with you, I'm hoping that you'll have the same response to those people that are professing their adulterous lifestyle, or maybe they're struggling with pornography addiction. And why, as Christ followers, we tend to compartmentalize sexual sin? I don't know, because God doesn't like any sin. Just so you know, and he doesn't rank it. He doesn't have a, well, there's a number one sinner. There's a 10 bopper right there. That's not what he does. Mark, when you started when you were struggling as a teenager and as an adult with same-sex addiction, attraction and addiction, did you think about it, that it was an addiction or an attraction, that it was wrong? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I went to school and I saw what guys did and how they interacted with each other and what the girls did. Uh, and I have a master's degree in music, and so my body language early on might have been slightly effeminate. So I was called names. I was called out, you know, gay, faggot, queer. Uh, and so I knew pretty soon that uh, something was wrong. Something was wrong somewhere. Uh, and so, um, yeah, it was, it was very awkward for me, and I, I knew something was wrong. Yeah. Having this conversation about how we can minister to those struggling with same-sex uh, attraction and addiction in the workplace is a tough one because we don't I don't want to alienate people, but I want to speak the truth. And and you having come out of the homosexual lifestyle can speak to it way better than I can. But I know that we are called as Christ followers 
to minister to everyone. We're not supposed to go, well, they're not good enough for the gospel, or their sin is too strong for us to deal with. No. God calls us to love those all around us, and that's really what the I work for him a nation is all about, is ministering to the, praying for those that you work with. And they're all struggling with some kind of sin. How do we, how does this message, how can we get this message to come across without people feeling uh, alienated? You know what, Jim, I'm so glad that... uh... I'm here and we're having this discussion today um, because people are struggling in our midst and we need to feel comfortable about how we approach them. And we often say to people that come to us for help, people that are struggling, you know, the issue is not homosexuality. That's not the problem. Homosexuality is not the problem. You have relationship problems. You have relationship challenges. Uh, And so the solution and the way that we should interact with those in the workplace that are struggling needs to be relational. Uh, And there are several things that have guided me as uh, as we have put this sheet together called Ministry to Those with Same-Sex Attraction, which is listed on our website, by the way, if you want a copy of it. Which is NHO. Tampa.org, NHO, New Hearts Outreach, Tampa Bay. Is it Tampa? No. NHO, Tampa.org. Uh, I want to, before you jump into the list, I really want you to talk about the relationship thing. If any of our friends who are struggling with their sin in their lives, because we got all the people we're working with are struggling with some kind of sin in their lives, period, mm-hmm. end of story. Mm-hmm. They got hurt, they got habits, they got hang ups. You know, it's celebrate recovery time everywhere we go. If we would just start loving people right where they're at, regardless, that's what you're talking about relationship. You're not talking about, hey, you know, let me talk to you about your same-sex addiction. You're talking about, we just need to, these people need to know they're loved before we have a conversation with them, don't we? It's like any conversation you would have with a new friend. Get to know them. Listen and encourage. Those simple words, listen and encourage, you know, let them speak. And a lot of folks that struggle with homosexuality are slightly narcissistic. They're self-centered. It's just goes with the territory. And so if you start asking them questions, they would love to tell you about themselves. And you can you can really draw them out in that way, in a gracious way, in a in the right way. So yeah, show an interest. Have good co- eye contact. You know, don't look down. Look at them in their face. Be responsive. Be present to them so that you can receive from them. And they'll know that you are sincere in connecting with them. Yeah, so it's really not rocket science. You know, anything that we would do to develop a relationship with anybody else, we approach it the same way with this, and we do not try to fix them in the first five minutes. No, and it's not about fixing anyone. The only yeah. people, the only being in the universe that can fix any of us from our sin lives is our Heavenly Father. Yes. But you just said it's the intentional relationship, and it's yes. and it's and and it's genuine. Yes. I mean, you mentioned, I mean, a, a genuine intentional relationship, and that's really what I try to convince people like, to join the I Work for Him Nation is to make that commitment to the Lord to start praying for those people. Because when you start praying for the people that you work with, God starts to transform your heart towards them, regardless of where they're at. Because I will tell you, there's all kinds of people you work with, they got issues that are deep sin issues, you just don't know what they are. So stop judging people, just love people right where they're at. Let's, as we head into the break, talk to me about what is New Hearts Outreach all about? Well, our mission, as you said, is glorifying God by connecting the sexually and relationally challenged to Jesus Christ. So we offer a threefold approach to ministry. Uh, We refer to licensed Christian counseling. We believe that there are family of origin issues that need to be dealt with. Uh, We also have a prayer center. You know, God knows everything about a person. We don't. 
Uh, and so we have a listening prayer approach where in the presence of God, we invite God to come. Uh, we have trained prayer teams that pray for our clients. And we want to get to the emotional roots in a person's life which drive these behaviors. And let me say this. To my knowledge, there is no conclusive evidence in the literature that anybody is hardwired for homosexuality. You won't find it. Uh, And I won't get over into that area because it gets dicey. Uh, But uh, trust me in this. Uh, We can make a choice, you know, how we want to live. And if we want to be pleasing to God, we can make that choice. It's a difficult journey. We need all the help we can get. But anyway, so we offer the prayer piece. We refer to licensed Christian counseling. We provide confidential weekly support groups where you can be in community with like-minded folks who are struggling with the same thing. One of the things that when you're dealing with anything, the lie of the enemy is you're the worst possible case. You're the worst homosexual on on the planet. We're talking today with Mark Culligan. He's with New Hearts Outreach Tampa Bay. You can find out more about him online at nhotampa.org. He runs a ministry that this is their this is their statement, glorifying God by connecting the sexually and relationally challenged to Jesus Christ. We're talking today about how do you minister to those in your workplace struggling with same-sex addiction and attraction. Mark Culligan, a former homosexual who has come out of the lifestyle and has been walking with the Lord for over 30 years, has just volunteered to come share this because this is something that this conversation gets more and more heated. And a lot of it is our fault. As Christ followers, the conversation has gotten heated in our culture here in the United States of America because of our behavior. We tend to alienate those who sin. I don't know why we tend to alienate those who sin certain ways, but not other ways, but we tend to alienate those who sin. And so in a way to look at this, Martha's thinking right now, hey, glass half full, Jim, glass half full. I want to encourage all of us to stop to start, how about this, to start loving all of God's creations. Mark, you said something off the air to me. You said, we need to love everyone because every one of us is an image bearer of the God of the universe. And all of our friends, even the ones that are the most sinful, even our political candidates are image bearers of the God of the universe. How how do we, you've got, uh, where do I want to answer this question? You say that you help the sexually and the relationally challenged. Why are those two words so intersynced? Why are those things, why do you help them? You don't just say sexually challenged, but you're talking relationally challenged. Why both? Yeah, when people come to us, again, we say that the sexual piece isn't the issue. That's not the problem. They most always in their history have relationship challenges. They have broken relationships with mom and dad. Some are raised in a home with no dad, so uh, they have an overabundance of the feminine input. Uh, There's imbalance in their life. So really the solution is relational. And of course, our goal is to get them into the primary relationship with Jesus Christ and teach them how to develop that. And, you know, that's challenging when a person first comes to the Lord, and now, you know, they're there, and they sense His unconditional love and His forgiveness of their sin. 
But we're talking about a God that's not there. You can't see him. You can't feel him. You can't touch him. So in our experience, we know that for some people, this can be a challenge. And so by modeling um, Jesus to those people, and we get them to read the Upper Room Discourse, John 14 to 17, to really find out who Jesus was and what he thought. Uh, and uh, so we approach this with relational solutions because that's where the need is. So let's dig into that a little bit deeper. And I want us to remind our, our, our audience, you know, this is a conversation that someday will be considered um, well, I could go to prison. Someday, this conversation will, will put me in, in, the FCC will say, you can't talk about this anymore, or you're going to go to jail. And why is that? When we as Christ followers start condemning those with sin, or start calling out people from a sinful lifestyle, people don't like to be reminded that they sin. And so that's why our whole society goes, well, evolution, we all evolved from primordial goo. Well, they do that because if you deny the existence of God, then there's no moral absolutes. And if there's no moral absolutes, then there's no right or wrong and nobody has any sin. But the minute you talk about people having a sin issue, then all of a sudden there's right and wrong. And if there's right and wrong, then there must be a source to the right and wrong, which is a heavenly father. And if there's a source to our right and wrong, that must mean we have to deal with the whole Jesus thing. So someday saying the word Jesus is going to put you in prison. Mark, let's talk about how we can be Jesus to our, our friends who are struggling with same-sex addiction and attraction without pounding them over the head with a Bible. Yeah, and the first thing I'd like to mention is uh, I think the Scripture in Romans chapter 2 helps us to prepare to minister to anyone. And these are the words of Scripture, not knowing that the goodness of the Lord or the kindness of the Lord brings you to repentance. And so it's an understanding heart that people respond to. And so uh, we have to yield. We have to step away. We have to step back so God can step forward. So that that uh, initial kind of Scripture has guided me uh, and helped me so much. Again, it's in Romans chapter 2, early on in the chapter. You summarize that really well. People respond to an understanding heart. Yeah. And that's, I don't know why, you know, as a Christ follower, I can tell you, I am way more sensitive today than I've ever been before. Now, does that mean I still have less sensitivity than others who maybe aren't a high D like I am? Absolutely. But I understand what what Christ has done for me. And, and nobody could ever refute what Christ has done for me. I know what my life looked like on the inside, and I know what it looks like on the inside today, and there's been remarkable change. And that's what we're trying, we're trying to show that. But people want to know that you can understand and just be loving. They want you to love them right where they're at. They don't want you to condemn them and criticize their lifestyle. Absolutely, yeah. And pray for God's unconditional love to be known to them. That's the great need in these people, to know Christ's unconditional love. You know, in the homosexual lifestyle, in my experience, you know, it was not unconditional. Guys connected, uh, you do me, I'll do you, I mean, whatever. Uh, Sorry if that offends somebody. But it's conditional. God's love is unconditional. He showers us with his love, you know, demanding nothing in return. It is a gift. But in the process of being discipled in his ways, he changes our heart and he changes our life. So pray for God's unconditional love to be known to them. This, again, is the great need. And But pray also that God will guide you through this journey with Him. Listen uh, 
uh, for God's leading every step of the way. Uh, you know, we really have to be weak, uh, and in the process of ministering, God's strength will come present and guide us through that. Well, and and then that listen thing. I'm just gonna I'm just slow you down a little bit. You get very excited, but the listen thing. What James said: be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, or to get people to be angry. That listening for God's leading. Just you're gonna have a conversation with somebody you don't know what you're gonna talk about. Hey, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to talk about. Can you just help me out here? Answers that question every time. The Holy Spirit will give us the words that we need. Yes. And he, because our Heavenly Father loves those people just as much as he loves us. Exactly. Yeah, and I've said earlier, resist the urge to fix or slap a scripture on them. They know. Many have come from a Christian background. They know the scripture. They know they're in error. And so we really don't have to rub it in their face. Uh, So resist the urge to fix or slap. Yeah, and let them do most of the talking. Again, this is normal relating when you're getting to know someone. You know, let the other person talk and let them share their life and so on. Uh, Ask them questions about their life and so on. Yeah. And by approaching it this way, and by the way, let me say this. This is is something that I've done, and, and it's been very effective. When you're in the presence of the person, maybe you're not relating, maybe you're walking by their desk in the office, just pray that they will know the love of Jesus. Pray that they will know the love of Jesus. Keep it simple. I tell you this, these people... When the chips are down, when they're struggling, if you pray in this way, they will seek you out and and ask you for uh, you know your input and so on. Pray in their uh, in their presence under your breath. Uh, these prayers are powerful to change the dynamics and the situation. Pray that they'll know the love of Jesus. And that's, yeah. that, if you notice the fourth point on people joining the I Work for Him Nation is to, not only you look at, you're praying for your coworkers and employees, but the bottom, the number four point is to look for ways to pray with people. Yes. When you notice that their countenance is down, when you notice yes. that, you know what a good day looks for everybody? When you notice that, that their countenance is down, that they're just having a tough day, those are days you, you say, hey, what's going on? And and, yes. and and you just and you let them share what's going on, and then if you ask them, hey, can I just pray with you about that? Yes. I've never had anybody say no. Refused. Never, never has anybody ever refused. And and that's a way. And again, we're not talking about judging. You can't judge them on. And they're saying we're talking about ministering to our coworkers and employees who struggle with same sex addiction. People, this is how you minister to coworkers and employees who struggle with any sin. Period. End of story. People that struggle with same-sex addiction know that they have different specific issues, but they have sin issues just like the alcoholic does, the adulterer does, the the guy that's a chronic liar or the person that's a chronic stealer, whatever, whatever it may be. We need these people need to know that they are loved unconditionally by our heavenly Father, and you are Jesus's representative in your workplace. And I think of a scripture that uh, that uh, you know confirms that in First Corinthians thirteen eight, love never fails. Not my words. God says love never fails. Well, what about you know their attitude towards this or what? Love never fails. We're not trying to prove anything. We want to welcome them into our uh, our. Uh, uh, our sphere of influence. Sure. Uh, and we want to get to know their sphere of influence and who they are and, and what they're about as well. Love never fails. What yeah. about the question where somebody says, can somebody be 
uh, be struggling with same-sex addiction and attraction and still be a Christ follower? Yes, uh, absolutely. Just like an alcoholic can be a Christ follower or anybody that struggles with anything else, you know, gluttony or lying or anything else. Yeah. You know, we're all on a journey of sanctification. We're all on this side. We haven't gone over to the other side where we're perfected and, you know, we're going to live for eternity with Jesus and there's going to be no more issues. Praise God. So we're all on a journey, and I think understanding that helps us prepare and have the right approach and the right attitude toward the person we're trying to minister to. We're all on a journey, and we're not perfected yet, and all of us fall short of the glory of God. And so they're like us in that way. They're one of us. We're alike. And if we can find those areas where we can track together and and sense that we're the same, you know, uh, I think it's helpful. And I think it's super important for us to remember our place in the kingdom. We are all, uh, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And yeah. so often, and I don't know if it was because we were taught this in church or just by bigoted people in our lives, they, but the judge, to judge people who struggle with certain types of sin. But Jesus didn't do that. I mean, I, I say this all the time. And I was preaching on Sunday at, at a church as a guest, and I, I brought up, I said, listen, 2,000 years ago, Jesus is at a well talking with a half-breed woman who was living with the sixth guy after being married five times, and Jesus wasn't even supposed to talk to a woman, let alone somebody who was half-Jew, half-not-Jew, who had been married five times and was living with the sixth guy. Even today, that's a rarity. And, And Jesus wasn't judging her for her sin. He just said, hey, leave your life of sin. Come follow me. I'm going to give you living water. That's what we're supposed to be there for. He just was talking to her, telling her the truth. And and that's the conversation. Need, the people need to know you love them before you start telling them. But yes. And you don't even have to do all the talking. You can let them know how much you love them. And when, they, when you have an opportunity to really share what Christ has done in your life, all you got to do is give them a book of John and say, hey, just read this. Just read the book of John. Then decide whether the Jesus you've been hearing about all your life that hated you, you can find out how much he really loved you. I mean, that's, that's really it. And, and some of you may listen and go like, Jim, I've never even heard a conversation like this from church. Like, absolutely. But you're going to hear conversations like this from here because we deal with all sorts of people, people like me in the workplace, people like you in the workplace. And sometimes these people, uh, us people, any people have sin issues, whatever they are. And, and instead of us really focusing on, hey, you know, people struggling with same-sex addiction have certain issues. No, we're talking about loving people right where they're at. And Mark went through some, some steps, and it's all about building relationships with people and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead the conversation. Mark, what I love best about New Hearts Outreach Tampa Bay is that you guys are working on equipping churches to help provide a safe exit for people who are struggling with same-sex addiction and attraction. Talk about that. Yes. Uh, recently, we've gotten some phenomenal uh, resources, and so we really feel, we're really feeling better equipped than ever before to be a, an effective resource for churches. We did a Sunday service recently at First Baptist Church downtown Tampa, uh, and the Lord just really blessed that. Uh, and one of the things I discovered was people in church are confused. People in church don't have a clue what the Bible's teaching is on this issue. And so as a part of our presentation, we were sure to read a 
this scripture so that there's clarity that God hasn't forgotten this issue. But yeah, so we have a number of resources available, uh, and uh, we do a, a complimentary pastor's resource packet. So a pastor, if you're out there and you're dealing with this issue, and most churches are, uh, call on us for, you know, there's no cost for our complimentary pastor's resource folder. Some of our team will meet with you and meet with your team and share the kinds of resources we have, and you can sort of pick and choose what you think would be helpful for you. Well, you just got done doing a an outreach for pastors, uh, the 8th Annual Pastors and Counselors Luncheon, and you held that at South Tampa Fellowship. You do that every year? Absolutely. Yeah. And, Ty then, Wiss was our guest speaker this year. He came in from uh, Carmel, Indiana, uh, and it was just a real blessing, very effective. Talk to me about this six-week study. Yeah, we recently got this new 100-page uh, booklet uh, called The Safe Exit Curriculum. And it's uh, the subtitle is Learn How Your Church Can Become a Safe Exit for Those Impacted by Homosexuality. This is a six-week support group curriculum for a church to teach leaders and those that may be called to minister in this area on the basics of homosexuality so that their church can be prepared to be a safe exit for those in their church who want to come out of homosexuality. It's just an amazing resource, and it's brand spanking new. And if I may say so, I was just so pleased to find that on page 30, they go into Mark's story, and I was totally surprised, but my story is actually in here. It's a combination of discipleship, looking at uh, scriptures, and there are video clips. It's a great resource. Mark Culligan with New Hearts Outreach Tampa Bay. Thank you so much for being on iWork for him today. You can find out more about New Hearts Outreach online at nhotampa.org, nhotampa.org. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope you learned something today. I hope I learned something today. I know I learned something today. But you and I, we go into a battlefield each and every day. We got to be equipped to go into that battlefield. And this is a battlefield that is raging. But instead of going in fighting, we need to go in loving. Love your neighbor as yourself. We need to be equipped to developing relationships. Join the I Work For Him Nation when you get home tonight. Everything you need is in that commitment to the Lord on how you can minister to those people in your workplace who don't know Jesus. You've been listening to the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower and I own my own business, but ultimately I know the truth. I work for him. (laughs) 